going to suffer forever, okay? Bring the lounge back. My name's Adam, by the way, in case I haven't met some of you. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at the Youth on Wednesday night. Absolutely love being here. Love seeing you guys. And you know what happens every single week? Every single week, I come in on a Wednesday night, especially during the summer. I'm like, you know what, guys? I tell all the leaders, you know what? Be prepared. It's going to be a quiet night tonight. We're going to have the many students. People are on vacation. Some people are sick and some people are tired. It's going to be a quiet night tonight. And every single week, every single week, you guys keep showing up. I don't know what the problem is. You know, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. You guys just keep coming, okay? So stop coming, all right? Just stop it, all right? I'm teasing, by the way, okay? I'm teasing. We love the fact you keep coming all summer long. You're bringing your friends with, which is just great. Uh, we love having you here on Wednesday nights and look forward to some great stuff. We're going to go through August. Got some great stuff planned for the second half of the year. We're talking about a winter retreat happening sometime this winter as well. Who knows what we're going to do there. Maybe we'll go like swim in the ocean when it's 30 degrees or something somewhere. It never gets 30 degrees here. I don't know. Um, yeah, Celsius, exactly. Um, so tonight we're continuing on with a series. Last week Mark started us off with a series uh, talking to Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. And we're going to continue that series tonight just looking at these two verses. And we're going to finish the series next week. Bud's going to finish us off. But tonight we're going to look at one specific piece of that. Uh, tonight, the whole title of the message tonight is Power versus Love. We're going to throw that up there if you want to. Go ahead and jump on those slides. There we go. Yeah, Power versus Love. This is our Nothing Will series, Power versus Love. This or that, neither matters because nothing will separate us from His love. And that's kind of the whole theme. Last week, this week, and next week. It's kind of the whole theme. And if you go to the verse there, that scripture, I'm going to throw that up there. I'm going to read that again. Okay, we read it last week. Uh, and I'm convinced, this is Paul speaking to some people around him, saying, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, that's what uh, um, Mark spoke about last week, neither angels nor demons nor our fears today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tonight we're going to focus on a little bit there. It says, you know, not death nor life. And the next part says, neither angels nor demons nor our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell will separate us from God's love. We're going to focus on that tonight about how certain things have power over us. Certain things are pushing against us, trying to separate us from God's love, trying to convince us that God doesn't love us, but we have to understand it's not really true. Now the whole premise, if you will, the whole background of this verse is, is Paul's comparing something to God's love, right? It's one thing compared to another, height and depth, uh, power uh, or worries of today and worries for tomorrow, life and death. It's all these comparisons, right? These, these two things compared side by side, trying to get you to understand the extremes to which God loves go, God's love goes to pursue you, chase you down, and never give up on you. That God will go to the infinite, ultimate extreme. And with that, I was trying to think of what's something like a good illustration. What could show you some extremes? And then I started drifting into my memory bank somewhere. And I drifted back to a few years ago when we were living in South Africa. Uh, we had this crazy idea we're going to start a family YouTube channel, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Jaden, you guys need to show lots of grace to Jaden and Keenan tonight, okay? Lots of grace to Jaden and Keenan. Because unfortunately... They're my boys, and I have to use them for lots of illustrations all the time, and it's embarrassing for them, you know. So just give them lots of love, okay, lots of love, guys. Rough them, rag them hard, all right. But we're going to show a little video clip because I want to see you a comparison. I want to see a comparison of some things, okay. 
So in this video clip, what we're doing is, is yuck versus good, possible yuck foods versus good foods, and trying to get the boys' reaction, okay? In the video is Kenan, a much younger version of Kenan, Jaden, a much younger version of Jaden, and Aaron, who's very young at the point, okay? Uh, and we're going to watch about a, a few-minute clip of this, and we're gonna, I'll, commentate, I'll commentate on it as well as we go through, but let's throw that video clip up. Yuck versus good, the two extremes, okay? Two extremes, let's throw that up. You can do it, you can do it, Aaron. You are big and strong. So he just chose this. And that's a sardine with mustard. <laughs> it's the beginning of the video. Rocking the hairstyles. Actually like it. Look at Jay. Zoo biscuits.
Aaron's checking out. Look, Aaron's like, I'm done. I'm done. Done. He lost. He's not happy. again. <laughs> There's actually a much longer version of that on YouTube if you want to go check it out. <laughs> There's other videos there to watch as well, by the way. Um, so, so you saw Aaron. What didn't show is it continued on, and Aaron lost again. The middle boy, our youngest, he lost again, and he completely lost it, crying, I always lose, <laughs> completely lost it. And I was watching that video this afternoon, literally just this afternoon I was watching those videos, and it reminded me that, you know, sometimes in life is exactly the way life is. It seems like everybody's winning around me, and I'm getting stuck with all the crap around here, you know? And you're like, you just want to go home and just cry, like I'm done, I'm checking out, I'm done, I'm over it. But even in those difficult spaces, God's love pursues us. And that's what the scripture is trying to tell us, is that even in the good things and the bad things, it goes so far as to say, even hell itself, the worst thing imaginable after death, cannot separate you from the love of God. Now, there's a couple important things to understand, and that is anytime we talk about relationship, meaning a relationship between you and Jesus, you and God, okay, relationships are two-way streets. It takes two people to make a relationship really work. What Paul's addressing here is God's portion. He's not addressing your portion, okay? So, Vanessa, come here a second, babe. So, so when Vanessa and I were dating, stand there in front of me a second. Look at this woman. So, so she said, don't do anything weird. Okay. Uh, turn around there. Sit, turn around. So, no, turn around a little bit more. There you go. So, so now, now, if I say I'm going to love Vanessa and pursue her and chase her with my love no matter what, okay, what does she have to do to embrace my love? If she keeps walking away, walk away, and I'm, I'm chasing, I'm, I'm pursuing, I'm going. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love it. What's happening? She's running from it, right? What does she got to do? She's got to turn around, and she's got to embrace my love, right? Close your eyes, purpling. <laughs> thanks, but thanks, thanks. So she has to turn around and embrace the love that's coming her way. So tonight we're talking about, yes, God's love is going to pursue you no matter what, even to the point of death, God's love will pursue you. It will keep pursuing you. You can do nothing to keep God's love from pursuing you. All the way to the end of your life, God will chase and pursue you with his love. 
But it's our responsibility to turn and embrace that love. And that's what stood out to me about the scripture, this whole scripture that laid, laid, laid out there, that, that God's love will pursue you, height and depth, and, and, and even to the point of angels and demons and powers, and how strong someone is, how strong one thinks they are. Nothing's going to keep you from God's love. But you can never embrace it. You can make the choice to never embrace it. And as you said there in the scripture, it said that not even the worries of today are the worries of tomorrow. And it got me thinking that that's actually most of the time what keeps us from embracing God's love are our worries and concerns today and the worries and concerns of tomorrow. The things that cause us to be afraid in life is actually what keeps us from embracing God's love. Afraid of what other people think if I get serious about my relationship with Jesus. Afraid of what other people may think if I throw myself into worship and lift my hands and jump around and act crazy when I'm singing songs to Jesus. See, those things will keep you. That thing of fear will keep you. And what causes fear in our life is things that have influence or power over us, has influence on us, and those, that influence determines how we feel about things. So I was thinking about it and praying about it, you know, and, and, and I feel like there was five things, five brief things we'll look at shortly that have influence over your life, that will learn how to navigate well. Because these five things will keep you from turning and embracing the love of God that will pursue you all the way until death. What are those five things? So we want to throw this uh, first slide up. First one, big five in your life, right? For, big five, we have this in Africa called the big five. It's the five biggest, kind of most dangerous, not the biggest, but it's the most dangerous animals in Africa. Which is surprising because... Everybody, what's, what's the, like, the most dangerous animal you can think of in Africa? What? Lions, right? Certainly, lions. King of the jungle. Lions definitely should be there. Anybody know what else? Right, rhino. Funny enough, hippos aren't on the list. Hippos aren't on the list. Rhinoceros are on the list. Rhinoceros are on the list, okay. Elephants are on the list. Leopards. Leopards are on the list. And this fourth one is crazy. You'll not expect it to be one of the most dangerous animals in Africa. Buffalo. It's like a big wild cow. And most people don't anticipate these, like you can drive through and you think, oh, what's the big deal? It's a bunch of cows on the side of the road. But buffalo are different. Because see, when you attack or harm a buffalo, they turn on you as a group and they want to kill you. Matter of fact, there are stories of hunters that have shot buffalo, just wounded it, and the buffalo starts running, chasing, running away, right? Leaves little trails of blood. The hunter's going after it. The buffalo dips off into the bush, circles back around, comes up from behind the hunter, and takes him out. That's a cow, okay? That's a wild cow. They're not as stupid as you think they are. They're actually number five in terms of the most dangerous animals in Africa, in terms of hunting and, and pursuing. One of those rare ones like that. And so when I was thinking about that list, about five things that influence your life, what would be your big five that influence your life, that bring great, amazing, good things to your life. We need these five things, but at the same time, they could possibly bring some danger if you allow these five things too much influence to, to keep you from pursuing the love of God that He's pursuing you with. The five things that are going to keep you running away from His love versus turning towards His love. And the first thing I thought about was friends, obviously, right? I mean, teenagers, everybody, we love friends. And friends are amazing, and it is incredibly important psychologically, emotionally, and even spiritually for you to have healthy friendships. We're not against friends, but friends can be dangerous. Because you and I both know all it takes is that one friend to say that one comment, and what happens inside? Oh. It takes that one friend to make one comment about 
the way you look, about the way you dress, about the way you said something, about why you didn't do something when everybody else was doing it. Sometimes it don't even take a comment. Sometimes it's just a look. Sometimes it's not even a look. It's just being in an environment, and you think all these people are expecting something of you. And so, therefore, you don't turn to pursue the Father you run away from. Friends, number one of the big five. Number two of the big five. Devices. Oh, these things. Right? <laughs> Huge influence in our life. Huge influence. So we just went to camp recently, right? We went to camp, and uh, we didn't have these for five days, right? How many of you survived? Yeah, most everybody survived right out for five days. There were no, no people dropped dead. Nobody passed out. Nobody had heart attacks. How many of you actually enjoyed not having to carry that thing around and check it all the time? And what was one of the first things you did when you got home? <laughs> right? Messages, messages, messages. Jaden was chatting to me last night. He didn't, he's, got, he's got an iPad at home, and he was, they've put some group together, right? How many messages, like you put a new group together, and within, within like 30 minutes, how many messages? 500, 600 messages. Yeah, don't laugh, because I know a lot of you, like if you leave your phones around for a day, there's 200 messages, right? <laughs> this, most of us, most of us in this room, this is probably the last thing you look at when you go to bed. And the first thing you look at when you get up in the morning, for most of us, not all of us. But you see, this thing has incredible influence over your life. And the danger with that is, is what is this trying to communicate to you all the time? What's the number one message this thing's communicating to you most of the time? Particularly if you're on social media. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And it's trying to communicate, you have to do certain things to be good enough. You have to act a certain way. You have to behave a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. You have to look a certain way to be the right person so you can be social media famous like everybody else in the world is nowadays, seems like. This thing's constantly designed to communicate to you that pursue you in a way which is unhealthy, to get you to turn towards it versus turning towards the love of the Father. Maybe issue a little quick challenge, completely off the, off the topic. Quick challenge. How many of you would be willing to make, you don't have to answer, but maybe in your small group you can commit to it. How many would you be willing to make a commitment that this would be not the last thing you look at, but the last thing you look at or speak to would be a human being in your house, and the first thing you look at or speak to in the morning would be either God or a human being before you pick this up, okay? Great. Appreciate that. Thanks. Well done. Love it. Love it. Love the enthusiasm. But try it for a few days. See what happens. Try, try maybe not even at your dinner tables at night. You eat dinner, eating dinner, even if you're eating by yourself, just putting that down over on the other side of the room and turn the TV off and put the music off maybe and just sit around and talk to somebody. Dang, why would I do that for? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe your family's not like that. It's okay. Go get a dog or a cat. They love talking to you at dinner time. They sit right there and listen to everything you got to say. <laughs> right? I'm trying to encourage you that this thing has incredible influence of your life, and this thing gets us to do so many things which pushes us away from the love of the Father versus pursuing the love that He's giving to us. Next one. Oh, friends again. Yeah, yeah that's how much influence they got, okay? So, so in order to, to not have so much influence around this, if a whole group of you got together and said we're going to hold each other accountable, that we're not going to look at this as the last thing at night and not pick this up first thing in the morning, and you hold each other accountable around that, you're probably more likely to do it than if I ask you or your parents ask you. That's how much influence your friends have. 
Or if collectively a group of you say, you know what, before I go to bed at night, before I first get up first thing in the morning, I'm going to read some scripture before I do that and hold each other accountable around that, you're probably going to do that more so than us asking you on Wednesday night. That's how powerful friends are. Okay. Next one, OBX. Oh, yeah, exactly. Is that really it? No, that's not an influence. Next one. Okay, go ahead. Next. <laughs> oh, parentals. Okay. <laughs> Because you know seasons two coming out this weekend, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I have to go and watch the whole series because everybody's talking about it. I have a clue what you're talking about, okay? I grew up there, so I don't have to go watch the program, by the way, okay? Um, so parentals, your parental figures, whether it be your parents, your aunts, your uncles, those that have parental uh, influence in your life, they are incredibly influential. Now, parents are probably some of the biggest influencers because they live with you the longest, they're with you the longest amount of time, okay? They're more of an influence than you realize or think about it. But somebody said, no, they're not an influence in my life. I'm never going to be like my mom and dad. I don't want to be like my mom and dad. Guess what? That's huge influence on you because what are you doing? You're running away from the way they are. So you're still being influenced by them. Dang it. <laughs> you're trying to get away from the influence. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be this way. That's their influence. That's their influence. First thing, all right, how do I be me? Don't run away from something. What are you running towards? Are you running towards the love of the Father, which will pursue you all the way until death? Last one. The stories you're told. Now, what I mean by that is this. It's crazy in the world right now, right? It's crazy. I mean, from political stupidity Right, from one political leader to another political leader to this crazy COVID virus thing happening all over the place. It's gone, then it's back, then it's gone, then it's back. To just general craziness in society. Just the crazy things you're told. Told, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way you should be and the way you should behave and how you should identify. All these kind of things are out there influencing you with the stories you're told through the devices, through your friends, through your parents, through meetings like this through being in your school, through being in universities, all these places are telling you a story constantly of how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be. And those stories have influences. Because most of the time, you're going to rise to the expectations of people around you. Most of the time, you're going to become like those that you trust the most. There's a wonderful... Uh, kind of old, kind of whiz piece of wisdom, saying you want to show me your future, show me your five closest friends now, and I'll show you what you're going to look like in five years' time. And that's pretty consistently true. Because they're being, you're being told stories in that environment which shape you and mold you and shape the way you think and shape the way you behave and shape part of your identity and who you are. And as you listen to those stories, you become those things. That's why it's so important to watch the friends and the stories your friends are telling you and how you should be. To watch the, what we're seeing on the devices and the stories we're getting on devices constantly over and over. To watch even, yes, some of the programs you may be watching. Not saying anything about OBX, by the way. Okay, you still watch it. <laughs> but watch some of the stuff we're watching and what it's telling us about ourselves. Our parents, what are our parents telling us about ourselves? Now, we want you to have a good relationship with our parents. Now, sometimes you may not have a great relationship with your parent. Maybe the story you're getting told isn't a great story but it just means you have to be a bit stronger and a bit bolder in your faith and you have to respond in a loving way to your parents. You're the one that has to actually love back 
when love isn't coming. That's tough. That's tough. I get it. That's difficult. That's what we're here for. We're here to have a healthy community. So if you're in a difficult situation at home, we can help you navigate that. Hopefully your parents can change as well. But maybe you've got a pretty good relationship. Oh, it's just a normal parent, you know, a normal thing. What stories are you being told? What are they saying about you? The positive stories. And then lastly, obviously the stories you're being told through all the various media platforms that come through, the various environments you're in, whether you're playing sports in school, the group you hang around with at school, what you do on a Wednesday night or don't do on a Wednesday night, whether you're involved in a church or not involved in a church, all those various places you're getting told stories. What are those stories? And the big indicator there is how do those stories make you feel? Do you feel like you're loved around those places? Or do you feel less than? If you're feeling less than, it's probably not a great story you're being told. You probably don't need to be in that space. Who the heck? <laughs> How do you feel in those environments? Do you feel like you're loved? Do you feel like you're encouraged, like you're supported? In those spaces, those are good stories. You need to be in both environments more regularly. Now, there's one thing we haven't dealt with, which has a lot of influence in your life. You don't even know it. Matter of fact, most of you at your age don't even think about it. You start to think about it when you kind of get around my age. You start looking down the road going, okay, I've probably got less life left than I have behind me. And that's the big D-E-A-T-H. Death. 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 There we go. <laughs> it's so pretty, isn't it? It's lovely. It's pink death. It's a, it's a subliminal message to your boys. Okay, be careful, right? <laughs> took you a minute there, took you a minute. Just teasing, just kidding, just kidding. Death, death. Here's the big thing when it comes to death. Death has an influence because you're trying to become something. Every single one of you are trying to become something. You're trying to be liked by your friends. You're trying to be liked by people around you. You're trying to be liked by leaders around you. You're trying to engage somehow a purpose in your life. What am I doing here? What's going on in my life? Death has influence because death is weighing at the end of our life. It's coming. Whether you like it or not, it is coming. It is coming to everyone at some point. And the Scripture tells us that the love of God will pursue us all the way, even to the point of death. God's love will pursue us. So the big question to ask in terms of death and how it shapes you is what do you want others to say about you at your death? See, some of you are struggling. Who am I? I'm not sure who I am. You're trying to figure that out. You're with this friend group, and you act and behave this way. And you, then you're with this friend group, and you act and behave in another way. And you go, why do I do that? I don't understand. What do you want people to say about you one day, way, way in the future, when you're no longer here? What do you want people to say about you? Do you want people to say, ah, oh, you sucked? <laughs> no, nobody wants that, right? <laughs> nobody wants that. Everybody wants people to say nice things about them when they die. And the best way to make sure that happens is live in a way which produces those comments. It's the great influencer because death is coming to everybody. Now, death's a reality. We don't talk about it a lot in this stage of life. Unfortunately, sadly, there's some of you in this room that have already experienced death in your families. You encountered it. It's difficult. It's not easy. Remember as an 11-year-old boy, my grandfather passing. I remember going to the funeral and not fully understanding what was happening, but I remember just crying, going, I won't see my grandfather anymore. All I had was memories of my grandfather coming at Christmas. Every Christmas he would come, and I wake up Christmas morning, he would always sit on the floor and play toys with me. That's all I remember, my grandfather. And he was, you know, I loved having him because he always bought me a present, and he played toys you know, on Christmas Day. 
And, uh, and now suddenly this guy's out of my life at 11 years of age. I remember tasting that. I remember, won't go into the story, but, but, but a little bit later on in life, my mother died in my arms. In my arms. So I know the pain of death. And some of you have far too young have tasted that pain already. And can I tell you, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how messed it's messed up your life and, and just seems like screwed everything up and just it's like a crap mess now, right? Can I tell you, the love of the Father is still here. Jesus is still pursuing you. You're not alone in this space. And when we go to small groups later, if you need to chat to someone, we're here to talk with you and navigate that with you. It's scary when people and friends are in the hospital, when family's in the hospital, when death becomes reality. It's an influence in your life. How are you going to live to that point? What kind of man or woman are you going to grow up to be? What kind of teenager are you going to be? So when that day comes for you, they say great things about you. Next slide. How to choose his love. So here we are. we got these influences in our life. These things are influencing us and pursuing us, causing us to maybe run away from the Father's love. How do we choose these things? Quickly, we're going to go through this. We're going to be done, okay? How do we choose? How do we turn back and choose? Number one, we choose Jesus. That's the first step. So you know what? I don't understand all this stuff. I don't understand the craziness of people lifting hands and worshiping and singing songs and getting so excited about worshiping Jesus. I don't understand it. But you know what? I'm going to turn and I'm going to face and I'm going to choose to follow Jesus in his ways. I don't know anything else, but I'm going to choose to do that. That's the first step by, 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 by uh, uh, turning to God's love. Second thing is being responsible. Being responsible simply means do what people ask you to do in terms of healthy things, in terms of, you know, helping around the house with chores, in terms of helping out here on a Wednesday night at youth, in terms of helping on a Sunday, serving other people. Be responsible with your life. Things go wrong all the time. But the moment you, we've said this multiple times, but the moment you blame that thing, you become a slave to that thing. When your friends are mad at you and blaming you for stuff, are you blaming your friends for like, oh, well, the only reason I behave that way because my friend did it, my friend did it. You blame your friends or you blame your parents, you're now a slave to your friends and parents. And to you, you become responsible. I'm responsible. I made the choice to do the good thing. I made the choice to do the bad thing. I make the choice because you are the one who makes a choice. Because in reality, the only person that controls you is you. Nobody else. Live honoring others. This is a phrase we use right here called make others look like geniuses. Your job, number one job in life, is to make everybody around you, your siblings, your mom and dad, your friends, your leaders, make them look like geniuses. When people see you, they go, man, that's incredible. Who are their leaders? That's incredible. Who's their mom and dad? Who's their brother or sister? Who are their friends? Because that person's amazing. That's your job, make people look like geniuses. And our job in turn as leaders is to make you look like geniuses. When you guys shine bright, man, those students are amazing. Those teenagers are incredible. Man, I would love to be with them any day. That's our job, to make you look that way. That's what we call living a life that honors other people. Because that's really what Jesus did, didn't he? I mean, we were broken. We were lost in our sin. We were messed up. We have a real good habit, a way of messing our lives up, making some really unhelpful choices. And Jesus said, you know what? That's okay. I can take care of this. I can wash all your sins away. I can change inside of you who you are and what you desire. I can change these things, and I can make you look like a genius. And he did it. He died for it. He went to death. He broke the ultimate power of death so we could have life.
Jesus makes us look like geniuses. And it's our responsibility to make others look like geniuses. You do that. Anytime you're making other people look like geniuses, you're actually responding to the love of God. You understand that? That's his heart. That's all he wants for all of us. He wants all of us to look like geniuses. <laughs> he wants people to be amazed when they look at us as believers and go, man, who are those people? They're different. I, want to be a, I don't understand it. I think they're a bit crazy, but I want to be a part of those people. I want to give my life to something like that. People look like geniuses. That's all we're called to do. When we do that, we're responding to the love of the God. That's how we do it, by making other people look like geniuses. And then lastly, activate our audacious faith. Activate our audacious faith. Are you stepping out consistently? Because that's responding to the love of God. Those of you that may be a bit further on the journey, you've chosen Jesus, you're doing your best to uh, make other people look like geniuses, and now he's saying, okay, now it's time to step out even more. Are you willing to step out and pray for people? Are you willing to pray for someone sick? When your friend's sick, maybe you go to school the first day and someone's sick, I want to step out in that moment and pray for them. Oh, Adam, hold on here. <laughs> Do you know what those people will say? Oh, yeah, those other people you call friends. Do you know the hammer of comments that will come my way? Yep, I sure do. I sure do. But we have choices. Are we going to run from his love or are we going to turn towards it and embrace it? Turn towards it and embrace it. Live audaciously. Remember, remember that little cat, that little kitten at camp we showed, right? Little tiny cat in that little tiny ledge, way, way above that bridge. Cat didn't have a care in the world. Didn't care the fact that he could die if he fell off the ledge. Didn't care the fact that he shouldn't be on that ledge. He was living on the edge. He was living on the edge. And that's the biggest step towards turning towards his love. He's living on the edge in audacious faith. One of the comments I made earlier was the only person responsible, the only person who can control you is you. Power versus love. You can let all these other influences come in your life and have power over you, or you can respond to the love of the Father and be responsible for your life and choose a different way. The choice is yours. Remember I told you coming back from camp, the whole next few weeks going into school is all I want to do is prepare you and get you to ready to engage school when we go back. Because there's a brick wall coming. Right? You know it and I know it. Life's different. And we want to get you ready to go back in that environment to live for Jesus. Not be crazy, not be stupid, but make other people look like geniuses. So they too will respond to the love of the Father. Because no matter what comes your way, death is coming. And if you responded to Jesus, we got heaven to look forward to. If you haven't responded to Jesus, there's some other stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward towards a heaven context. And I'm looking forward to living here on earth, making other people look like geniuses and having a much better life than letting all these other powers and influences over my life keep me running away from the love of the Father. Don't become like little Aaron. I lost, I lost. <laughs> right? Yeah. I want that image seared in your brain. Because that's what will happen. If you keep running away from the love of the Father, I promise you, at some point in your life, you're going, my life, I lost, I lost. Why do they win? Why do they get the sweet night stuff? And I get the yucky snail. Come on. Because <laughs> you keep making unhelpful choices. Yuck versus good. Simple as that. Power versus love. The choice is yours, and it's always yours. Can I get you guys to stand?
who or what will separate us from the love of Christ? Who or what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can. Only you can keep running from it. Nothing can separate you, no matter where you are. But you can keep running from it, or you can stop and turn and face it. If you're here tonight and maybe you've never turned to face, it's all right, you know what? I'm going to pursue Jesus. I don't even know what that fully means yet. But if that's you tonight, when we go to small groups or maybe here even in this room, just let one of your friends know. Let one of our leaders know around the room. Tell you, you know what? I made a decision tonight. I'm going to follow Jesus. Great. Simple as that. We're going to pray with you. We're going to get you on a journey. Maybe you have made a decision to follow Jesus, but you know what? You know you've been running away. He's chasing you, and you, you, at one point you returned facing him, receiving the love, but now you know you're, you're running away. And tonight you want to go back. I want to turn back. I want to turn back and embrace his love that's coming to me. That's option tonight. It's a choice. That's you. Let somebody know. Let one of us know. Let one of your leaders know. Let one of your friends know. In small group, tell the small group. Let them know. Why let, them, why let people know? Because friends have a big influence, right? And we do this in community. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it in community together. We encourage each other. We pray for each other. We support each other. And you need community. All of us do. That's why we let people know. Respond to Jesus in this song now.